Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 248 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing why good sci-fi shows get canceled and urging everyone not to let The Expanse become the next canceled sci-fi classic. And I'm joined by two guests. So first up, we've got our producer, John Joseph Adams. He's the editor of Lightspeed and Nightmare Magazines, and he also oversees John Joseph Adams' books, an imprint of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. He's the series editor of The Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy, and he's also edited many other anthologies, including the recent books Loosed Upon the World and What the Bleep is That? His new anthology, Cosmic Powers, will be out in April. So, John, welcome back. Good to be here, and glad to hear that we weren't canceled right before we started recording this. (laughs) And also joining us today is John J. Joex. He's the author of the books, Why Were They Cancelled? The Plight of Sci-Fi TV in the Face of the Unforgiving Nielsen's and Networks, and Cancelled Sci-Fi TV, 1949-2015, The Ultimate Guide to Cancelled Science Fiction and Fantasy TV Shows. He also tracks the ratings of various shows over at CancelledSciFi.com, and his article, The Expanse is the Great Space Epic We Asked For, But Where Are the Viewers?, helped inspire this panel. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, and John, don't worry about us. this show getting canceled because I already started to save my podcast uh, <laughs> campaign. <laughs> okay, and since we have two Johns on this panel, to avoid confusion, I'll be referring to John Joseph Adams as John and John J. Joex as John Joex, so I just want to throw that out there. And as I mentioned, the reason we're doing this panel is because I read this piece by John Joex about The Expanse being in danger of being canceled. And we love The Expanse, and so we wanted to do whatever we could to make sure that that didn't happen. And so we planned this whole panel, but then literally two hours before we sat down to record this panel, it was announced that The Expanse had been renewed for Season 3, which was obviously very exciting, but it meant that I had to throw out my entire outline for this episode. <laughs> so we're going to be kind of winging this one a little bit more than usual. But uh, I think it'll be it's worth it to get another season of The Expanse. Well, it's, an, it's a nice change of pace because usually shows get canceled right before we record our episodes. Yeah, this is going to be really strange to be talking about a show that hasn't been canceled. It's kind of been a long time. <laughs> uh... but, um, but yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about is just get reactions from you guys to the fact that this The Expanse has been renewed. So, John, just what's your reaction to this news? Oh, well, I'm just really relieved. I mean, I was, uh, I was kind of stressing out about it once I saw the article and I, I, I was amused, like, you know, Dave, you had uh, tweeted or you had posted about it on Facebook and you were like, red alert, red alert, <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, no, totally. I'm with you there. Um, and, uh, I mean, I am, I, I, I was, I've been a little bit concerned about the show just in general because I've had multiple people who are like intelligence, science fiction, fantasy fans who like are, like aren't really connecting with the show as much and I can't really figure out why it's like they, they, they're having trouble, um, uh, like following along with like the motivations of the characters and or the overall plot. And it's, um, and it's a little distressing to me. And like, I saw the first season without having read the books and then I read the books. Um, so I feel like I, I watched it, you know, without any, you know, insider knowledge or anything the first time. And, but, and, and I still thought it was great, but, um, so I'm, I'm kind of at a loss of why that's happening, but uh, I'm, I'm relieved that we get at least another third, a third season and hopefully we can continue to build that audience so where it's not going to be on the brink every time. Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned before, this is my favorite show on TV, and it really seems to me that this is the most serious science fiction TV show. You know, in terms of like what serious 
hardcore science mm-hmm. fiction fans would want in a TV show that I've seen in a long time, possibly ever. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really, really committed to seeing this show become a success. Um, but so how about John Joex? How did you? What's your emotional reaction to the news that the show has been renewed? Oh, I was really glad to hear that. I was a little concerned about it because sci-fi has a, a bad habit of not promoting their shows in the second season. And I've heard a mm-hmm. lot of people uh, say they didn't realize the show was even back on. Um, so, and the ratings started out decent and then really dropped off. And I'm like, ah, and I know this is an expensive series to produce. So I was really getting kind of nervous about it. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the, the piece was encouraging people to get active on the social networks and watch it digitally and that sort of thing. So the fact that they have renewed it, that that's awesome news. And so what exactly, when you say that the ratings dropped off, could you quantify that? Like what, what other ratings actually have they been? Uh, they're, they're pretty low actually, but then that's, it's sci-fi in general is pretty low. So a, a ratings point, one ratings point, and this is the Nielsen ratings, the old school Nielsen ratings that, that does a sampling of families or households watching a show. So a ratings point for what they call the, the uh, 18 to 49 demographic, which is the group that the advertisers prefer uh, to be watching a show. One point is somewhere around, I think, 1.2 million. They reassess it every year, so I think that's what it is. The Expanse started out, if I remember correctly, its first episode this year, season was 0.27 uh, of a rating point, and then it dropped all the way down to its low of a 0.14. Just to give you kind of Hmm. an idea of where that stands, uh, the the broadcast networks currently are averaging somewhere around a 1.3, rating. Uh, Walking Dead, which is the, the highest rated scripted show on all of television, is a, around a 5 uh, right now. So The Expanse is way down there, but sci-fi in general has been down um, and both, if it's above a 0.2, it's typically been renewed. Uh, so I was, when it started out, it looked good. But when it dropped down to that 0.14, I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> just for the sake of comparison, do you know what the numbers for Incorporated were, which just got canceled? And uh, uh, yes. also on Sci-Fi? Um, incorporated started right around a 0.2, and then it dropped down to... Uh, I believe it was like the one point zero point one four. Um, it, it might have gone as low as zero point one two, but it dropped down to that pretty quickly and stayed there. Whereas the expanse has kind of gone up and down. It went back up over a zero point two, then it was back down to a zero point one five last week. So, incorporated, uh, which which has been canceled, uh, was a little bit below that. Um, and, uh, so that's when I saw the expanse going to that range. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> so, so you're talking about it's about a hundred thousand to 200,000 people are being measured watching the show. Correct. Yeah. The, um, I want to say that the total viewers number is somewhere in the 
three hundred something thousand. So yeah, when you figure in the the eighteen to forty nine demographic, that's about that's what Nielsen is uh, saying. Watches it on the watches the live broadcast when it airs at nine p.m. Eastern time or excuse, ten p.m. Eastern time on Wednesdays. That does not include digital viewing, doesn't include delayed viewing, any of that sort of thing. And what number would make you feel confident that the show was was going to be renewed? Um, I wanted to see it above, stay above a 0.20. And even then, I wasn't completely certain that would be enough because it is an expensive show to produce. It, the special effects is very, very special effects intensive. Um, so I didn't know if even that would, I I was thinking sci-fi in its first season, they really promoted this as Game of Thrones and space and all of that. And, and I was figuring that they expected to have a higher audience. Um, so I wasn't certain if that was going to be enough. I do know they've got international financing and other things involved with it that helps with the funding. Um, so I figured as long as it was one of their highest rated shows, um, then it would be okay. Um, and it's, it's really, it's not, the magicians is currently their highest rated, uh, Z nation is the, uh, their second highest rated, uh, show. And so, um, the expanse is probably about their fourth or fifth highest rated right now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, based on what you're saying with like The Walking Dead being the most popular show on TV and stuff, I, maybe they made a mistake by not emphasizing the vomit zombies from the books in the show. Cause like they're, it's very, <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, watching the show, I wouldn't have even said like, oh yeah, it's got zombies in it. You know, whereas in the book, they actually call them vomit zombies. I mean, they're not right. really the same thing, but still. Yes. Possibly, possibly, but <laughs> I, I, I think better promotion, especially in its second season, would have really helped it. Well, right. I mean, I mean, because because like John's saying, I mean, I have heard a certain number of people saying, oh, the show is too slow or it's too confusing or whatever. But when I posted your article, John Joex, on our Facebook page, a couple of people said that. But the overwhelming response was, oh, I've heard this show is really good, but I have no easy way to watch it. Mm-hmm. And huh. and so what do you think of that? Um, I, do they not have cable in, and actually, well, I mean, actually I don't have cable and a lot of my friends don't have, as a matter of fact, don't have cable. Ah, ah, okay. Cord cutters, cord cutters. So, I mean, it is on Amazon to stream. And if you have Amazon prime, it, you can just stream it for free as part of your package. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that hard to watch. The first season you can stream yeah, yeah. second season. You right. got to pay extra money for it. Right. So, right. Right. Um, so David, how do you watch it? Uh, I actually buy the episodes from iTunes. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, So it is available on the Sci-Fi website, but I believe you have to have a uh, um, either a satellite or cable Mm -hmm. uh, subscription to be able to watch it. Um, And so, if you don't have cable, and if you then you may not be able to watch it unless you buy the episodes on iTunes or uh, Amazon. And I have been told that if you're in Europe, you can watch season one on Netflix. Do I have that right? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And, and overseas, uh, it's the it, it's on Netflix. And here, if you have Amazon Prime, season one is on Amazon Prime. 
So I have a question. I have a question about, um, you know, what counts as as view as a viewer. You know, like you mentioned, delayed viewing. I assume that means things like TiVo and and things like that. Sure. Um, so, like for instance, if I like I watch, I have a TiVo and I record. I, I record all these different shows, including The Expanse. So, like if I record something on TiVo and then I watch it later, does that count as a viewer? Because I'm not a Nielsen family, so normally if I watch something on television, it's not going to count. But if right. I do record it on TiVo and then watch it, does it count? Nope, not unless you're a Nielsen family. Really? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh, but 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 if I do watch it digitally, like on Amazon, they will see that and they will count that. Yes. So okay. If you're watching it on Sci-Fi's website, they're tracking those stats. If you are either watching it on Amazon, Amazon will what will track the stats for season one, um, and then for and also for season two for the purchases. So it's tracked there. Um, so if you're either of those are tracked and reported to Sci-Fi, now those numbers are not shared widely. I've not seen those numbers. Last year, Sci-Fi reported that the the premiere episode, I believe, had around four million uh, views on their website. They released it early, uh, and it was free. You didn't have to have satellite or cable at all. You could go see it there, and it might have been the first five episodes. Actually, they did it that way. So that is counted. Digital viewing is counted. Purchases are counted. Um, but uh, other than that, if you're watching it live or if you're um, recording it, it that doesn't count unless you're a Nielsen fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the people like me who are paying to watch it on iTunes, um, or I guess also through Amazon and subscription fees and stuff, is that a significant source of funding for the show, or is that just kind of like a little bonus and most of the money is always going to come from advertisers? I have not gotten a good answer on that. I have uh, tried to get networks and I have tried to talk to producers and uh, others to give me a good answer on that. I have not been able to get anybody to tell me, yes, that is a good way, uh, a good source of income. It seems like it would be. Uh, I've not even been able to get a good answer on how much the uh the network gets off of those um the the expanse writers room uh they did say watch it digitally it's great watch it on amazon and and itunes that helps so i gotta imagine at this point it helps i would also imagine with cable shows it's going to be more important than with the broadcast networks because in the current peak tv environment when you've got what I think we're co- approaching 500 scripted series, you've got such a fractured audience and the ratings, the old school Nielsen ratings are so low. They're looking for any number that they can find that says, Hey, we've got more audience than just what Nielsen is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you'll see that uh, with, uh, I believe it was Legion just got renewed. Um, but, Another announcement just yesterday, Legion on FX got renewed. And uh, don't quote me on these numbers, but I believe they were saying somewhere around 5 million multi-platforms. So that's where they're bringing in everything. They're trying to bring in, you know, add in the delayed viewing and the the, uh, website viewing and the Amazon and the iTunes and all of that sort of stuff. So 
a lot, your cable channels more than anything else are, are really trying to pull in those numbers and say, look, look, we got a bigger audience than just what the, the Nielsen says. Mm. Yeah, it seems really frustrating that at this point, like, it seems like it should be very easy for, uh, for the networks to be able to figure out, like, what we're watching based, like, you know, just based on the fact, like, for instance, like, my TiVo has a subscription service, so TiVo knows what I'm watching, so why don't they, like, sell that information to the networks or whatever? Like, it just seems like, I mean, it seems weird to, like, say, like, oh, I wish companies would know what I'm doing more, uh, just because it's like they already <laughs> do, know so much. But, I mean, it's like, in this case, where it's like, I want to, I want my viewing to count, you know? And, like, it should be very easy at this point. Like, back in the day, it would be very difficult. But, like, now it seems like everything's so connected that it should be easy. So, it's like, it's pretty frustrating to hear that, like, oh, like, all this, all this, all the, all the viewing that I've done, like, none of that counts for anything as, as far as the networks are concerned. Like, they don't know that I'm watching. They don't, you know, so it's a, it's a little discouraging as a, as a fan. Uh, yes, it is. And that's where things were like social network, I, I believe, are coming much more important, especially the last few years. Um, a lot of people will live tweet during an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can track that trending and, and Nielsen even tracks that now so they can say, hey, we got a lot of people watching this or just through the week, if they can get the show trending, uh, get the expanse trending, Hey, watch the expanse, that sort of thing. Those are numbers that they can track. Uh, and more and more of that. And you're seeing much more of this with the cable channels than, than, uh, the broadcast networks. Uh, an example of that is stitchers, uh, which is on Freeform. Uh, a show that probably not even a lot of people know exists and had uh, pretty low ratings uh, its first two seasons, but it has survived into a third season and it has a very um, a, a very active social um, uh, a fan base that's very active on the social networks. Another one, Winona Earp on Sci-Fi uh, last spring, very low ratings. It was uh, Sci-Fi's second lowest ratings, second lowest rated show over the last couple of years, but had a very, very active uh, uh, fan base, and that one got renewed for a second season. I believe that the uh, the social network activity helped that one out. It's interesting, John Jolix, because in this article, I don't. Th- I guess you didn't get a chance to see it about the show being renewed, about the expanse being renewed. I did not. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it says that, like, basically, the show has been got the expanse has gotten great reviews, and yes. among people who've seen it, it has a very strong support. And so the network was saying, well, they feel like it's better to have a good product and then try to build an audience for that. That that's a good, you know, a good solid mm-hmm. foundation to build on. And <laughs> that's network spin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but That's the show basic. the show has gotten really good reviews. I mean, within yes. sci- within the science fiction community, it's gotten just like you know superlative reviews. Yes, yes, uh, agreed. It's got it, and I think that's been very important. Is it's gotten good reviews from the fans. It's gotten good reviews from critics. Um, so that has definitely helped it. But when they're saying things like, "Well, we want to build up." Uh, something that has uh, uh, good critical support and all that. They're just trying to find anything to spin it right. But hmm. hey, we'll take it. I, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing. And that's, if you go back and look at science fiction over the years, I mean, we go all the way back to Star Trek. Star Trek never had a huge audience. But look at the 
franchise that that became. It's it's gone on for all these decades and spun off several television series and movies, a new series on the way. Science fiction, what you see, what you see with the the trends with science fiction, it tends to not have a huge audience when it first airs, but it has much more of a lasting uh, impression. Uh, people will continue to watch it and buy merchandising uh, for years and years to come. And so, if they stick with a show, even if the ratings aren't great right away, chances are down the road it's going to pay off. Uh, just imagine, you know, Firefly, only what fourteen episodes, and yet today still that's uh, a, a greatly celebrated show that I'm sure they're still making plenty of money off of selling the, the DVDs and all of the other merchandising from it. And yet they killed it just because the ratings weren't great. One thing I'm, I'm concerned about with sci-fi is that although we have gotten to the point where we're getting the third season for sure, uh, this show reminds me most of Battlestar Galactica in terms of, like shows on the sci-fi channel that were like had this really high quality and were set in space and all this kind of thing. And although Battlestar Galactica was in a very similar situation where it was very critically acclaimed and, uh, uh, you know, people seem to really love it, but, um, but you know, it got, it got prematurely ended as well. Um, where I feel like, you know, it, I mean, I don't know how it exactly played out, but it seemed like they didn't really intend to end the show that season. And they, but the, basically the, it felt like they got like one, one year to wrap things up. Um, ultimately I hated the way they wrapped things up. So I, you know, I care less, but, um, but you know, it does feel like important that the sci-fi channel, there's going to be a network called the sci-fi channel. It should have a show like the expanse on. So like they've got the good one now. Like I hope that they'll keep continue investing in it so that it can stay on the air. Interesting. What you say about Battlestar Galactica, it supposedly ended, um, or the fourth season was supposed to be its final season. And that was the way they decided it to go. And, it, and it's not considered a canceled series, but if you look at the, its ratings, they were definitely down by its third season and it was an expensive series to produce. So I, I think you're absolutely correct when you say they basically said, okay, time to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. uh, and absolutely. Same thing with the expanse. And this is where I believe the fan base being active on the social networks, trying to get the word out. Uh, you know, this, this show alone, just get the word out to fans. Hey, there's a great show. That's exactly what we've been asking for. It's, it's a space space show. It's, it's got, um, I, I don't know if you'd really call it hard sci. I mean, it, a lot of people would consider it hard sci-fi. Um, it's well done, great special effects and all of that. And, and you're right. That's what you expect on a on a channel that's essentially the sci-fi channel, even though mm -hmm. they changed their name. Well, mm -hmm. let me ask you about this, John Jux, because one of my favorite shows, probably the the cancellation of a show that hit me the hardest was Farscape. Yeah. And I was just reading today that there's people who claim that the reason Farscape was canceled was partially due to the fact that there was some executive in the company who said he didn't like space shows. <laughs> <laughs> I I believe I've heard that before. I I, I can't tell you that uh, that that's a fact. Uh, what I can tell you with that show is that it's similar with Battlestar Galactica. 
started out, it had really good ratings. Uh, it, you know, first couple of seasons, by its third season, those numbers had dropped, and it was real expensive. I, I want to say it was the most expensive. It, it, it definitely on cable, it was the most expensive at the time. Probably one of the most expensive on all of television. So, uh, Sci-Fi basically decided uh, to move on from that. And they did. They canceled it on a huge cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> even, I don't know if you've ever read the uh, comic strip Foxtrot. That <laughs> one even got yeah. in on the thing. And uh, what's the character's name? I think it's Jason Fox. Was Had several strips where he's writing to the sci-fi channels telling them to bring the show back. <laughs> um, and now that was a case where... People really throw a fit about that, and there was a lot of people writing, and there was a lot of noise made, and uh, investors in Europe agreed to step in. Now, it, it, and I think also to some extent, uh, the Henson Studios managed had some uh, clout over there in Europe, um, and so they managed to get some investors to step in, and that's where you got the, the Peacekeeper Wars miniseries uh, to basically give you a conclusion, but if it hadn't been for that, uh, and I don't know how much the Save My Show campaign really helped or how much it was that Henson Studios had a lot of clout over there, um, but that gave you an ending, uh, some resolution at least to the series. I mean, let's talk about these Save My Show campaigns. There, We've heard about these like crazy ones where people would send things into the studios. What do you think about that whole is – that, is that worth doing? Um, I would say no. Um, I would think over the years, you've had plenty of Save My Show campaigns. The networks will always, always, always tell you that a Save My Show campaign never influenced their decision. You go back and you look at uh, what NBC said back when um, they did the Save My Show campaign for uh, Star Trek after its second season. Uh, or during its second season, and NBC said, no, that wasn't what influenced us. We decided to bring it back anyway. They'll always tell you that, whether that really influences it or not, I don't know. Uh, you can't tell me CBS didn't cave with the Jericho fans when they were sending tons and tons of nuts uh, to uh, the uh, the station, but they gave the show seven episodes and basically buried it the next year, and it was gone by its second season. So the Save My Show campaigns, the, especially the old style, write a letter, send some sort of object, that sort of thing. I think your money is much better spent if you're going to do something like that. Uh, Terminator the Sarah Connor, excuse me, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, that one, they spent a ton of fans spent a ton of money buying. Uh, they bought billboards they bought an ad in variety i think they even bought some uh, local ads in the the hollywood area trying to convince others to to pick up the show they spent they put a ton of money into that uh, legend of the seeker same sort of thing spent money trying to advertise the, the show's plight nothing happened these days if you're gonna spend the money I think the best way to do that is to, is to start buying episodes on iTunes, Amazon, that, that sort of thing. If they see a revenue stream coming in, if they see a lot of people spending money on that, that might convince them. The other thing, as we've already mentioned, the, the social networking, 
get active on the social networks, if they see a huge fan base out there that is pushing this on the social networks, those are actual numbers that they can show to advertisers, that they can show to investors, that, that really show an engagement. Uh, and, and it's easy to to quantify that. So I, I would say, especially now, the old style uh, campaign, which have always been suspect of whether they worked or not, is not the way to go. You've got much better ways to go. Now, I have written articles, I have tried to contact the networks, I've said, hey, what do you want, what do you want uh, from the fans to help your shows in the current peak TV environment? To me, I think that the uh, networks that are going to survive are the ones that, as I say, partner with their viewers and get them to get active on the social uh, networks or, or watching digitally or doing if the networks will say, if you do this, we'll keep your show going. I believe that that's a way that, that they, the network can partner with the fans and get the, and work together with them and keep these shows on the air. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I, it would be nice if they would just say like, oh, for season two of this show, we fell short by $5 million of where we would need to be to justify renewing it. Mm-hmm. Here's a Kickstarter. If we raise the five million dollars, you get a third season, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I have um, I, I have tried to um, the Witches of East End, um, which was on Lifetime um, a few years back. That had a very very um, active uh, social uh, or uh, fan base, very active on the social networks. I was trying to push the idea of pre-funding a third season that if the network said, okay, if you will get, if you can get fans to commit to uh, paying this much per episode for so many episodes for, for a third season, then they'll, uh, they'll green light it and didn't get much leverage on that. But to me, it seems like it would make a whole lot of sense. Hmm. Well, I have a good idea for the Expanse producers and sci-fi, sci-fi and the Expanse producers. They should uh, clearly just uh, buy some ad spots on Geek's Guide to the Galaxy because you know, <laughs> yeah, we yes. have a passionate fan base. And uh, But no, I mean, actually, I mean, that would be great. But I mean, um, actually, what I was thinking is, um, you know, so uh, I watched that uh, special that they did with Adam Savage where he was sort of going behind the scenes of the Expanse and everything. And so at the end of that, they had like a little snippet of season two. This was before season two started airing. And it was like it was that scene with uh, Bobby and the Martians. Uh, uh, they were doing their training. And, and it was like this really intense action sequence with well, like cool people in power armor and stuff. And I was like, man, if you could take a scene like that, like, or one of the big space battles or something, and like, you just cut like a little, uh, like minute long, uh, thing for that, like, uh, and, and you started, and you put it in, like, you advertised it in a movie theater or something. Like, I mean, with all the movies that are out there right now that are all science fiction fantasy oriented, I mean, even, even the, um, even the superhero stuff, if you aired that kind of thing in, in front of one of those movies, like, I, I, that seems like that would go and that would drive a lot of people to go watch the show that haven't tried it. I mean, admittedly, I know I'm saying that, not knowing how much it costs to do anything like that, but, um, you know, uh, it just seems like that's the, that's the audience you have to try to capture. Um, and that would be a great, I mean, I can't imagine like who would go see like Logan or something that wouldn't be like excited about like some kind of big action sequence from the expanse. You know, it's like, it's on par with anything you see in a movie. 
I absolutely agree, and I don't understand why they haven't done that. Uh, another show that uh, would be perfect for that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is on ABC and has been mm-hmm. really struggling since its second season. Why on earth don't they bring in a few of the characters into the movies if nothing, if for nothing more than a cameo role uh, appearance or run an advertisement before the Marvel movies about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm-hmm. I have no idea why they don't do that. <laughs> There's opportunities like that that they they don't take. I don't understand why they don't do it. But, but you're right. It, it makes perfect sense to do that sort of thing. Why do they? I mean, because I can understand if the show doesn't have good enough ratings, then you can't afford to keep it on the air. That makes sense. But it just seems like there are just things they do that don't make any sense to me at all. Like what you mentioned, Firefly. Like there's an episode that sets up all the characters and what's going on in this show. And then they show that last or second to last or something. <laughs> Do you have any idea why those kinds of things happen? Uh, that that was very much old school network thinking. The, the broadcast networks, and you'll see this uh, with the broadcast networks, especially going way back to the beginning. Uh, they don't get sci-fi. They don't get sci-fi. They don't get the audience. It doesn't really fit into their typical uh, sitcoms and cop shows and, and uh, you know, whatever the, the trend of the, of the year is. And so with, um, with Firefly, if you, if you go back, um, I was reading the, the biography, uh, Joss Whedon's biography, and they were talking about it. They just, Fox didn't get it. They really thought it was going to be more of a sci-fi comedy, and they tried to really push mm-hmm. it as more of a comedy, and that wasn't what it was. And so, and so then the network uh, executives were looking at it. And they they thought that the that two part first episode uh, or the two hour first episode that was the pilot that set everything up. They said, "No, this is too slow." We don't like the way it's working. This isn't a good way to get people into the series, so we want you to start with this. Or if I remember correctly, actually, they made them retool an episode to be more of the the first episode. So it was the network executives just didn't get it. It it wasn't their type of thing. And so they did that. They aired the episodes out of order. They preempted them. And... um, I believe it aired on Fridays, which was where they yep. killed a bunch of sci-fi shows. Um, and obviously the numbers weren't great. It was an expensive show. And, you know, they didn't understand, like with Star Trek, that uh, that they were building, that they had a good fan base um, and that, that, that this could potentially build into a franchise. That, that actually reminds me of one of my uh, favorite uh, canceled shows. There's a show called American Gothic that aired like in oh, the 90s yes. sometime. And yes. it, yeah, it lasted for one season. It was really interesting. It was like this creepy small town horror thing with like, and there's like a sheriff who is apparently the devil or something. Um, but it had such great performances and like the storyline was really interesting. But the network, it was on CBS, I think. And it's like they yep. just jerked it around so much yep. like they would. They preempted it and they moved the time slot. And like, just as a fan, it was like so hard to like actually even keep track of it. Um, and this was in like, you know, like I said, in the nineties sometimes. So it was like this, it was much harder to keep track of a show back then because, you know, uh, 
I don't know if I don't know if it was post internet or pre internet, but I mean certainly the internet wasn't what it is now, and uh, you know nobody had a TiVo or anything, so it's like if I was going to record it, I'm going to record it on a VHS tape, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean it's like that was one where it was uh, it kind of felt like the same situation um, where like the network must not have gotten it and the, they didn't understand why they're spending money on this stupid show or whatever, and so they're like, ah, screw that show, let's uh, let's let's preempt it for some basketball or whatever, you know, and so it's like it was uh, it was really frustrating. I'm actually really curious to rewatch that now because I haven't revisited it. Um, it. It is available on DVD at least, but um, that was a really good show. It's worth the rewatch. It's a great show. Bit of trivia. Uh, that was the creator and executive producer of that was uh, former Hardy Boys, Sean Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you're, you hit it on the head is, is uh, and CBS has been one of the absolute worst for the longest time. CBS has been sitcoms and, and, uh, crime shows and they are the the sci-fi killer um they they just don't get um science fiction fantasy that sort of thing that show i i don't know i don't think it was really um you might call it the very beginning of the x-files uh phenomena wave uh x-files hadn't quite become the big thing yet it was still kind of a little cult show um, and CBS picked up the American Gothic and they just, like you said, they didn't get it and they moved it around the schedule and, and basically killed the show. And it's, it's just been the fate of a whole lot of similar series, but that one's absolutely fantastic. And that mm-hmm. one, they were going to do a movie, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, that would have, uh, carried on the story, but it ended up never, and it was just going to be several years later. They were talking about, uh, trying to do a movie for that series, but it never happened. But yeah, mm-hmm. great series, definitely worth, uh, going back and rewatching. Well, let me read. So I, I, I polled our listeners on Facebook and Twitter about what their, what shows that got canceled they were most bitter about. And so at the top, we have, no surprise, Firefly. Then after that, we have Farscape. And then Stargate Universe, Pushing Daisies, Almost Human, Caprica, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Alphas, Person of Interest, Alcatraz, Space Above and Beyond, and then Babylon 5. I guess I'll stop there. Babylon um, 5 wasn't canceled. <laughs> well, there was, a, there was a lot of debate. Actually, when Fringe is in there, too. There was a lot of debate mm-hmm. among people about whether, when the... Um, when they felt that the show clearly had more story left to go and mm. the studio said, no, you got to wrap this up now, whether that counts as, counts as a cancellation or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wondered about that with Person of Interest, too. Like, I didn't really that didn't really occur to me as a show that was canceled, per se. I mean, it was on for five years or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe they had more show. And a Person of Interest was preemptively canceled, essentially. Um, it, its ratings had uh, gone down. It, partially because of poor scheduling by CBS and back to this is CBS again and, and they just didn't care for uh, sci-fi. That one really got started by kind of being sneaky uh, and, and slowly working in the sci-fi. It started out much more as a procedural, pretty mm-hmm. much the equalizer with a, a supercomputer. And then, by the end of the first season and then starting into the second season, they started working in more of the AI story arcs and that sort of thing, uh, which is where 
sci-fi fans really started paying attention saying, hey, this is great. Um, it, but by its fourth season, its ratings had gone down, and CBS renewed it, but only for a 13-episode season. And at the time, I basically said, okay, this is going to be it for the series. And sure enough, by the time um, by the time they got started on it, they basically said, this is the final season. CBS announced it as the final season. Mm-hmm. But there was more story. The producers would have liked to have gone for at least another season. They were at least given the chance, though, to wrap things up. So it had a great run, over 100 episodes, managed to wrap up most of its storylines. So more than you can say for a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one of those other one of those other shows you mentioned, Space Above and Beyond. That was another one of the ones that I was going to like list as like my uh, my big uh, disappointments that got canceled. Um, that was another show from the 90s, and that was um, it was produced by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who were two of the producers on X Files. And this was like I guess this was after X Files had become a hit, and so some of the some of the creative team sort of started to get interest elsewhere. It's like you know like oh well hey here's the keys like you know go let's see what you could do. Um, and so and it was a it was a space show um, you know and it uh, it was like a military SF oriented type thing. There's there's aliens and there's AI and uh uh there was some there was some really good stuff on that show like i, I was really disappointed um uh, oh there's also like um genetically engineered people um and uh and so i thought it was a really good show um the first episode is actually has absolutely awful special effects it's like the pilot like they spent no money it's like it looked like it was done on a Commodore 64 or something. <laughs> it's like so bad. Um, and then in the later episodes, like they get better, but it's like, especially like watching it, like comparing it to the other science fiction on TV at the time, like, which is like Star Trek Next Generation and like Deep Space Nine, like the special effects on there, like the space stuff was so much better compared to, to Space Above and Beyond. So that probably hurt it, but, um, but it had a really interesting world building and I thought the characters were all really well done and I was disappointed that it didn't come back, but, um, I feel like it was maybe ahead of its time. Um, and actually I did, I did rewatch it, um, like, I don't know, it was about 10 years ago now, but it was long after it had aired, and, and I thought it held up pretty well, Um, e- and that was even after I became, like, a professional editor and everything, so, which is, which I mentioned because, like, I feel like my my taste, you know, sort of uh, uh, evolved a lot over the years from when I was a teenager watching this originally um, when it was on the air, uh, so... You know, I, I thought that was definitely a worthwhile one. Yeah, I, you know, John, I watched the first episode of that and I loved it. Yeah. But then I yeah. just never saw it again. I mean, you know, it's one of these things <laughs> yeah. like like you were saying before the internet and streaming and everything. It was just so hard to follow a show when you had to be there at a specific time to catch it. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, and so like fun fact about that show. So I went to the University of Central Florida and they had a um a science fiction writing class offered, but it was like almost never offered. And so like I was really excited to to, to sign up for it. And I never I never did. Uh, I never was able to. But the instructor for that class was a guy named Peter Tellup. And he wrote the novelization of the pilot of Space Above and Beyond, which actually was published, you know, which is like surprising given that the show didn't last very long. But um uh, and then I think there was a second novel as well that he also wrote. But um, I was just like, oh, that's crazy. I like seeing his books in the stores. And I was like so excited to take this class, but I never got to. So. <laughs> well, and that's one that at that time, it, it was on it was on the wrong network. If it had been um, on cable or in syndication at the time, it probably would have survived. You think about uh, late 80s into the 90s. Most you had Star Trek: The Next Generation, Babylon Five, uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, Star Trek: Voyager, Andromeda, 
uh, those big space shows that did well in syndication and on cable. Again, broadcast networks, they didn't get it. It, um, Space Above and Beyond at the time was one of the most expensive series. I believe IMDb says that it's like, was like 500 million, excuse me, 5 million an episode. Wow. Seems wrong. Um, But it was one of the most expensive at the time and didn't quite get the ratings networks expected. Um, So it didn't survive. It, whereas in in the other uh, venues, syndication and cable, they weren't really basing those on the immediate overnight ratings. They kind of they they built their structure, the 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 cost structure, assuming that down the road they were going to make their money back. So it was just one that that was on the wrong on the wrong channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dave, uh, you know, one other show that isn't on our list because it's still, it hasn't been canceled yet that I'm worried about, like, much like The Expanse is Sensate. Like, like, I don't know what its numbers are, but I, I gather that it's like, most people haven't watched it as far as I can tell, even though, like, I keep raving about it. And it's like, I will burn this world to the ground <laughs> if Sensate gets canceled. Well, I, I guess I can't really burn well, the world but it, to it the got renewed for a second. Up, it got renewed for a second season, and the second season hasn't started yet, right? Right, right. right. No, it has. But I mean, I'm, I'm just concerned about it for future, for the future. Like, you know, uh, hopefully during the second season, it can pick up some steam. But it's one of those where I'm like, I'm nervous about it, much like we were the expanse going into this episode. Well, that was one thing, John Joex, from reading your book, because I read your Why Did It Get Why Did They Get Cancelled book. And mm-hmm. Like, just as a kid or whatever, as a viewer, I always think of these TV shows, they seem like a big deal. But then when you read your book, it makes it seem like the TV shows are more like the World War One soldiers, like in the trenches going over the top, and they're, they're like all getting mowed down. And if there's yes. like a miracle if one of them makes it more than 10 feet, you know? <laughs> it, yes, yeah, very much. It, especially when you look um the the science fiction and fantasy, uh, as we say, the, the broadcast networks just, just don't really get it. And so those have tended just to get thrown off into the worst time slots and, and uh, just not been given the promotion uh, that uh, um, that they if they had better promotion, they probably would have done that. Maybe, you know, it, it depends. Again, that type of show has never rarely been one that's had a huge audience. Um, but. Uh, um, the, the way the network's treated them, this it's like they're not going to have hardly any audience at all. Uh, interesting about Sense Eight, um, it it has a better chance on Netflix, and it's one where social media could definitely help it. Uh, if fans get together and say, "Hey, watch our show," uh, Netflix is going to know you're watching it. They're going to know mm-hmm. they don't they don't talk to the Nielsen's. They don't listen right. to any of them. Uh, they're going to know that the people are watching it. I've heard there's a good chance that it won't survive past a second season, but then that's going to depend on the viewership of the second season. So if fans get together and say, and get, uh, get the word out there and get people watching it, then that'll definitely help. It. Mm. Well, we better, we better start stoking the fires to get the, to get the word out. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm mixing metaphors. Okay. But so, so, so the expanse, for example, is you, you said it's about a hundred to maybe 300,000 people watching it and it needs to get up to 400,000. Do I have that right? Um, I, you know, I, I would say that would definitely help it. Um, 
I really think sci-fi wants it to have Walking Dead type numbers mm. um, because I think they're putting a whole lot of money in it. I would say um, it would be much better if its rating was somewhere around a zero point three, which is probably in the four to five hundred thousand um, uh, viewers. There, I, I would say if it was in that level or higher, it would be doing much better. I believe if we continue to get the good word of mouth out that it that could happen, um, we saw with uh, Game of Thrones uh, that that shows uh, numbers started out decent for a cable series and it just kept going up and up and up. Same with uh, Walking Dead. Uh, Westworld started out kind of so-so uh, for a really expensive cable series, but then by the end of its uh, first season. Uh, its numbers were way up. And so that was just an indication that words getting out there. People are, he are hearing about this and more and more people are watching. Well, so this podcast has about 15,000 listeners. So we just need all of our listeners to start watching The Expanse <laughs> and get nine of your friends. And yes. we'll be good. <laughs> also watch Sensei while you're at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I mean, one of the things that's like driving me crazy, like we talked about this a little bit at the end of the uh, Incorporated panel. Um, it's like... It's insane to me that a sh that a network would cancel something like Incorporated a month, like a literally a month after the finale airs. It's like, dude, there's so many shows on TV right now. Like, you got to give people time to find the things. Like, you know, there's there was there was no time to even develop a fan base. And like, when we sat down to do that panel, like, I mean, I think both of our other panelists, like, they hadn't even heard of it. And I think maybe Dave, you hadn't heard of it until I mentioned it, right? So no. Um, well, I mean, I, know, I heard like, the name, but I that's right. about it. Right. And so it's like, you know, when there's so much television on right now that like in science fiction fantasy genre, it's like you got to give you got to give it a little time. Like, like, let it let it, uh you know, get some word of mouth going, like let some people catch up on it, because it's like I can't keep up with every single show when everything's on at the same time. But when the show when my primary shows are on break, then I have time to watch some other shows. And so it's like if it's canceled, like within a month, uh, it's like that's that it's like they didn't even try. I mean, maybe maybe the well, well no, I mean, I was going to say, well, maybe the ratings were just so bad that it was uh, beyond saving. But I mean, uh, but you but but John Joex, you, you mentioned what the ratings were, and it's like they weren't that far off from some of the other shows that survived. So, um yeah, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating because it's like, well, <laughs> what what effort did they even put into like why did why did they go through all the effort of producing a show like that if you're not going to uh, actually produce it? And, I mean, you're not going to promote it uh and and reach the fan base and everything. You know, it's like they, it's like they didn't even try. Well, I was wondering about that, John, because I mean, from talking to the sci-fi people, they have a ton of stuff coming out. Yeah. You know, like Hyperion and yeah. Old Man's War and Gateway, all this stuff. So I could just imagine that with all this other stuff in the pipeline, that probably has more of a built-in audience than Incorporated, mm -hmm. that maybe they're just it just makes more sense for them to shift their resources toward those. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard about things like that in publishing where, like, you know, a certain publisher might, you know, has a reputation of like, oh, well, they just publish so many books and they, it's like they don't really support the, the newer authors. And and it's just like a it's it's one of those things where it's like, OK, well, whatever succeeds, succeeds. And then, then that's great. We'll support that one. But um, they kind of it's kind of like the baby turtle thing where it's like, you know, OK, okay when you're born now, good luck with life. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to protect you or feed you or anything. Just like, you know, you're born uh, and, and, they, and they just release them into the world. World and, and see what happens but um yeah it, 
yeah, with with a with a t- TV show, it seems like it's harder to imagine that that philosophy ever working, just because so much money is being put into it to just produce it in the first place. But uh, yeah, I mean, I could see that you know they have to distribute the resources somehow, and there's only so many. Yeah, with with Incorporated, I was actually surprised they canceled it because Sci-Fi, over the past like three years, they have renewed almost every one of their shows for at least a second season, despite mm-hmm. low ratings. And that one had um, uh, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon uh, as executive producers, so I figured it was a high-profile series. I thought they would certainly bring it back even though the ratings weren't that great. Um, but no, they canceled it in, um, uh, David, like you were saying, that uh, uh, they've got so much in the pipeline right now that I think that they're, there's actually, that was actually um, the third series in the past year Sci-Fi hasn't given a, a second season to. The other one was Aftermath and uh, Hunter's. Um, and so I think they are, I think they're saying we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline and we're not going to be giving, uh, some of these shows as much of a chance as we were in the past, which is a shame because, uh, incorporated, um, I, I watched a few episodes and it, you know, (laughs) there's so much on, it's hard to keep up with everything. It, It had an interesting premise. And I've heard a lot of people that wrote, that stuck with it, watched it through the entire ten. I think it was ten episodes that they really, really liked it. So uh, give the show. And you know, John, like you're saying, they sunk. Oh, they had to have put at least a million dollars per episode. So let's say uh, a little bit extra for the pilot, twelve million dollars. And bye. But although <laughs> the other thing about that now, nowadays it's a little bit different. In the past. Uh, that money was basically money out the window. Nowadays, they can still sell that to Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whoever, mm-hmm. and they're going to make some money, and they can still sell it to international syndication and that sort of thing. They they'll probably break even on it, but still, you know, <laughs> twelve million dollars. Uh, you sunk that much into it. At least give it another season. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see the. You mentioned the expanse. They probably wanted to do Walking Dead, Game of Thrones numbers. I'm really skeptical that that would happen, unfortunately, because I feel like the show is more for more hardcore science fiction fans. And I mean, I guess you would have maybe said the same thing about Game of Thrones before it became mm-hmm. a big breakout hit. That like, who's going to are that many? Well, but no, but then there was like Lord of the Rings and everything before that, right? Um, I don't know. Well, just- just for the sake of comparison, like what was what were Battlestar Galactica's numbers like compared to the Expanse? Because like that seems like the most direct comparison to me, even though it was you know I don't know ten years ago or something. Um, but I mean, it's like it, it must have cost a similar amount to produce each episode. It, you would think it would have a similar type viewership, you know. Um, although maybe a little bit uh, a little bit less so of the hardcore SF fan. Like maybe more casual people would be into that, whereas maybe they wouldn't get into the Expanse as much. I don't know. Um, the, it's hard to compare ratings now to then. Uh, I want to, if I remember correctly, I could go back and pull up some stats. Um, if I remember correctly, Battlestar Galactica was pulling around a one rating at the time. Um, maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, so much better than the expense, right? Yeah. Like four times better. Wow. But, but, um, it's, it comparatively, 
ratings have dropped so much over the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said that the broadcast networks are now averaging like a 1.3, 1.4 uh, rating. As recently as two or three years ago, that would have gotten the series canceled on the broadcast networks. Uh, as recently as five years ago, they were in the uh, twos and threes uh, were, were your average rating. So numbers have dropped so much. I would say the Expanse, if you try to do the conversion, Expanse is probably a little below what Battlestar Galactica um, mm-hmm. was getting. Battlestar Galactica, though, had a lot, a lot of good buzz, not just among sci-fi fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that was one on the front page of Rolling Stone and, and, and that. So it was bringing a lot of um, good attention to the sci-fi. It was the sci-fi channel back then. It was bringing a lot of good uh, attention to that channel uh, at the time. So uh, it was more than just the show itself. It was bringing a lot of people on. Uh, with The Expanse, I agree with whichever. I can't remember what you said, that, that it, it, it's hard to believe that it would get Walking Dead, Game of Thrones type ratings, but the uh, the CEO, I think, it was, or whoever the boss of Sci-Fi is, uh, was saying just a couple of years ago uh, in relation, they're they're they've been trying to go back to more science fiction oriented programming, and The Expanse is definitely one of those. And their their comment was they saw uh, AMC score big with The Walking Dead. And they saw um, HBO score big with Game of Thrones, and they're saying we should have had those. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, and so then they went into a spaghetti against the wall mode of okay, Z Nation, The Expanse, um, uh, Winona Earp, Twelve Monkeys, uh, you know, just all of these all over the place, uh, very different types of shows, and they're hoping one of those is going to become that next big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Expanse, like. It has become a pretty big deal with sci-fi fans, um, but it is going to be one that's going to be hard-pressed to pull in your average typical viewer. I wonder, I mean, because does The Expanse give them prestige? How, how valuable is the prestige among science fiction fans? I mean, like John and I watched um, Incorporated, we mentioned, and there's no way I ever would have watched that show in a million years if I hadn't been impressed by what the sci-fi channel was doing with The Expanse. And it made me curious to check out some of their other shows. And like you say, I mean, they have all these other shows that I haven't necessarily watched. Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not like Z Nation or 12 Monkeys. But I'm not particularly as a science fiction fan. I'm not particularly invested in whether those shows succeed or not. Whereas The Expanse, I am really invested in it because, like you say, this is as close as we've ever gotten to hard science fiction outer space on television that I can think of. And I think that's really important. And... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's, it is important that this is getting uh, received well by the science fiction fan base because sci-fi did acknowledge that they made a mistake back in 2009 when they did the rebranding and they went mm-hmm. to the sci-fi light um, and that ended up turning off a lot of uh, viewers. And now they're trying to reconnect with their older audience, the ones that were watching Battlestar Galactica, Farscape, uh, Stargate, all of those. So the fact that this 
is getting a lot of good uh, word of mouth from other sci-fi fans. I, I do believe that's important to them. So they're hoping that this is going to bring people over and watch um, uh, Dark Matter and Killjoys and, and when they start with uh, Gateway. And I didn't know sci-fi was doing Hyperion. That's that, I knew that it was coming, but I hadn't heard it was sci- uh, sci-fi. And that's really cool. <laughs> so if people know sci-fi did a good job with uh, the expanse it makes them more willing to watch some of these these other ones that are coming up so i do think that's important to sci-fi but i also think they're very very focused on the numbers they are owned by nbc one of the broadcast networks or uh, i say that universal cable owns them and owns nbc and usa and all of them uh but Sci-fi has been one of those that pays a lot, a lot of attention to those numbers. Hmm. Um, can you guys just check me on that? Are, are, are there any other shows that even come close to the expanse in terms of being classified as hard science fiction? I mean, nothing comes to mind for me, but maybe you guys can think of anything else on right now. Ever? I mean, ever, I'll say ever. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anything. I mean, Star Trek certainly isn't. I mean, there's so much just like BS, uh, uh, techno babble on that show that like you can't really qualify. Um, <laughs> although it, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of tries to be occasionally. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, the closest thing we had prior to that probably was just like Battlestar Galactica, even though it was like it played fast and loose with the with the rules as it, as it saw fit. But I mean, a lot of it seemed like it was generally, um, uh, trying to do things correctly, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, the expanse has got to be it. And, and I mean, one of the reasons why like, I agree, I agree, like, we, it, it's like, I feel like it's a really important show to stay on the air because it's like, well, I want other good shows like that. And I want, and the problem is that like producers and networks and stuff, like they rarely take the right lessons from the success of a thing. And so, or the failures. Um, so like, I, I I'm worried that like, they won't, like even if like if it's a big success, um, like I'm I'm worried that they won't realize that it's uh part of the reason that made it a big success is that it like you know it was hard SF and it was treating the subject matter very seriously and it was very sophisticated, um, because that's what I mean I think that's what I love about it, um, but I don't know that if the network will actually be able to tell that they'll they'll think it's like oh well we need more things with a lot of politics in them and or whatever like you know what I mean it's like they don't they I, I feel I don't have any faith that they're gonna take the learn the right lessons from anything i do think that if the fans really get out there and and support the show as much as possible um social networks and watching it digitally i think that that'll help help them see that a little bit more um but uh i I, i'm like you I, i i'm nervous about it well, so you mentioned that one of the things that made Battlestar Galactica such a hot commodity is it was being covered in places. What did you say, like Rolling Stone yeah. and st- stuff like that? I wonder, yeah. is there any way we could get The Expanse <laughs> into those magazines and things? Does oh, anyone sure have any connections at Rolling Stone? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Well, maybe one of our 15,000 listeners has a connection at Rolling Stone. <laughs> Yeah, that would be good to get more press outside of just kind of the core fan base um, or the core sci-fi community uh, that 
somebody something like a Rolling Stone or, or something like that 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 uh, uh, gives it wider exposure. Do you understand, John Jellix, why this show is not on Netflix in the U.S.? Do I understand why? Yeah. Uh, it's like, like that, a, it's apparently on Netflix everywhere. My understanding is it's on Netflix everywhere except the U.S. and Canada or something like that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and and part of that has to do with Sci-Fi wants to have the uh, the rights for airing it the while it's um, uh, airing the episodes live. They want to keep that um, on their channel. And on, you know, they'll, they'll sell the episodes and that sort of thing. Um, the, and I guess they worked out a deal with Amazon to get the, uh, first season there available on Amazon Prime. So it, it just comes down to who did, who did they make the other deals with, uh, for streaming and for getting it, um, to, uh, the other areas. It, it I don't know how all those deals work, unfortunately. I, I, I've tried to do some research on that and reading up things on uh, things like De- Deadline Hollywood and Hollywood Reporter, but I, I don't quite understand how all those deals work at this point. But um, they typically, and I don't know why sci-fi doesn't work with Hulu. Um, so like, the most of the broadcast networks, uh, Agents of Shield. You can watch the, your uh, the latest episodes of Agents mm-hmm. Shield on Hulu the day after that sort of thing. Sci-fi doesn't do that, um, so not quite certain. Uh, and it seems like that would give it better exposure uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like exposure is the number one issue for the show. Yeah. It seems like if more people, you know, a, a pretty high percentage of people who've watched it like it, so. If more people were able to watch it, you know, even just the first, like I've told, I've told everyone give, you know, give the first four episodes a try. Cause I do agree mm-hmm. with what John was saying that the first couple episodes are a little confusing. Uh, yes. If you're, you know, if you're just getting into it, but I, I thought the fourth episode was just an, this like action packed yeah. spectacular. And I've been yeah, encouraging everyone to watch the first four episodes before you make up your mind about the show. And so if just everybody could watch those first four episodes, yeah, I think that might really help boost the show. Yeah. Well, and, and I think one of the things about the lack of, of Hulu or, or the like, uh, the, the lack of that availability is that one of the downsides of a show like this is that, like, well, you can't really, you don't really want to just jump in in the middle of it. It's like you need to really start episode one and, and watch every episode. I mean, yeah. I love that. I love TV like that. I mean, that's what I think TV is best at. Um, and I love that about this show because it's telling this big, huge story. But, um, but unfortunately, like, you know, if you're just trying to watch it on network and you didn't, start watching it right away. It's like, oh, now I have to wait for a marathon to come on or whatever. Like, I mean, you know, yes, uh, you can go stream it on Amazon Prime, but it's like, uh, it's it's difficult. Like, so say you did stream the first season on Amazon Prime, well, but then like you you missed the first episode of season two. Okay, well now now you're screwed. Like, because there's no easy way for you to go catch up on things. I mean, I guess you can buy the episodes, um, but but most people aren't going to buy the individual episodes. They 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 you know they're already paying for uh five different streaming services and a cable bill or whatever. They're like, oh well, I should I should have I should have access to these things, you know. So uh, I mean, it's just it's just making it more difficult, but. Uh, I don't understand all of the intricacies of network, uh, you know, television. Could I just say on that, John, is that, I mean, I understand people, if you're, you know, you can't spend money, like if you're, yeah. if your finances are tight, like you can't pay for things. But I, I, I just wish like people will spend, you know, like $5 on a coffee or something like that. Yeah. 
And yeah. I, I, I wish there would like like just considering how important I think shows like this are, I wish there was just more of a sort of like people were willing to spend more money compared to other things mm-hmm. that they spend money on or yeah. like cut back on some of the things that to my mind don't matter so much. Like I, I know it's like a pain to pay for it. Like, oh, it's like $2 for an episode and I have all these streaming services or maybe you don't, I don't know. But, you know, you know, like I just think like a show like this is important and I wish people, yeah, like I said, would factor in, mm-hmm. factor that into their financial decisions, you know? Yeah, I mean, this this episode uh, has sort of uh, uh, changed my mind about that a little bit. Because, I mean, I was thinking that, like, TiVo viewership was going to count or, like, you know, if I, if I watch on a streaming service, it'll count. I mean, I guess it does the, – the streaming services does count, but um, – you know, like I kind of feel like I owe it to a show like The Expanse to 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 go buy the episodes, uh, just just to help support it. You know, like I mean, uh, you know, I went and saw Arrival in the theaters, but then as soon as I saw it was available to buy, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to buy it. I, I don't know how many times I'm going to watch it, but I I mean, I definitely want to buy it just to show my support for something like that because it's like we, I mean, you know, like I mean, the Arrival Arrival is kind of a kind of reminds me of The Expanse in a lot of ways. It's like okay. So rarely do we see uh, science fiction at this sophisticated level produced that I want to do anything I can to to support it. So uh, if it means doing it with my pocketbook a little bit more than uh, than than I than I currently am, then so be it. Well, and I think it would really be helpful if the networks themselves or whatever would say that very clearly. Like if you buy this from iTunes or whatever, it's mm-hmm. going to help you get another episode, uh, another season of the show, and have some sort of feedback mechanism to make that clear to people so that, you know, it's not just this black box where you're like throwing your dollars into it and you don't know if anything's going to come out of that. But like, 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 like I was saying with the Kickstarter, like just something where you could know that you could see somehow that you're spending money to support the show was actually helping that show get another season, you know? Yeah. yeah. I regularly reach out the, to the networks and, and ask them, how do the, how can the fans support this show to keep it on? And, and I get very little response. I, the, the fact that the expanse writers room uh, responded to me that 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 was definitely encouraging. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, just thinking about the expanse and, and like some of the difficulties it's been facing, I, uh, I, I, I mean, we wondered about this with Incorporated, with the title not being something that sounded super sexy or super interesting, or whatever. Um, I wondered if like the expanse has kind of a similar problem where people don't really know what the show is based on the title. Like, at least like with Battlestar Galactica, I mean, although that's kind of a cheesy thing and it was based on a, um, you know, a, uh, an old 70s show, um, you know, uh, at least by hearing the name, you knew what it was probably, or you had some sense of what it was. Whereas the expanse, I'm not sure if people necessarily know immediately what it is when they hear it. So I wonder if that was part of the, part of the problem that it's facing. Uh, I mean, I don't know what I would have called it, but um, you know, the, the novels, it seems like with the novels, they struggled a bit to know what to call it too. Like with the, you know, in the first books called Leviathan wakes. Um, so it's like, it, it doesn't have, it's, it's a type of plot that doesn't really have like an inherently obvious uh, sort of titling scheme to it. So, um, I sympathize, but I, I wonder if that's part of the problem. And that's where better promotion on the part of sci-fi uh, could definitely help, because there's some shows that that uh, before they debut, you'll see advertisements for them everywhere. And I, I seem to recall the first season they did more advertising, uh, but the second season, not as much. And that's, that's definitely one of... Um, uh, sci-fi's things that they do that that doesn't help their shows uh anthony head who's uh the the series dominion he was uh one of the 
actors on that series. Uh, it was renewed for a first season, for a second season, came back and um, didn't do very well in the second season, was canceled, and and he made a comment uh, on his site that uh, sci-fi just doesn't promote it. it relies on word of mouth uh, for the second season and just doesn't do much promotion for that. And I definitely saw that with The Expanse. Well, let me say on that, John Jellix, too, is that your piece that I mentioned, the, you know, what, you know people aren't watching The Expanse and the numbers that need to be, was literally, I mean, I read science fiction news all day long. And that was the first, I think, only thing I've ever seen that made me worried that the show wasn't going to get renewed. You know, like everything else has been great reviews. And I was just, I guess, complacent. But, um, you know, I, I guess I, I, I think that's why it's important for people for there to be sites like yours that actually are tracking the ratings and keeping people informed about this stuff. And I guess I'll, I'll have to keep I'll, I'll have to you know follow your site more closely in the future. But um, there is this sort of like, you know. Um, there's this thing where they, like these shows get canceled and from the point of view of viewers or even people like professionals like us, it's just out of nowhere. You know, you're mm -hmm. like, wait, I, I thought that show seemed like it was going great and now it's gone. Yeah. You know, if I had known, I would have done something maybe more earlier, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel like that's, I feel like that's like what John jokes was talking about earlier with like sort of network spin. It's like, it's like, I think they're afraid of ever pointing out that anything is maybe struggling or that it's not this big, huge success because they think that if people think that their show isn't a big, huge success, then they won't watch it. Or like if they, if they haven't tried it yet, they'll be like, Oh, well that show's not doing that. Well, I'm not going to bother with that. Cause obviously it must not be any good if, uh, if not enough people are watching it. So like, it's, it's one of those, uh, it's like a catch 22. It's like, well, if you do this, then you're worried that, that, no one's going to watch because of that. But on the other hand, if you don't do anything, if you if you make like everything's fine, then people aren't going to watch it <laughs> enough because they're not already doing that. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I agree, and that's where it, I, I've gotten a little bit lazy on this. I need to kind of get back up on it. Um, I, I, last year, I was regularly doing a piece called Call to Action uh, on my site, where I was pointing out, hey, these are the shows that are struggling. And here's the things that you can do that, that I, I believe will help them. Um, and, you know, well, I guess it depends. Uh, <laughs> um, as somebody who's been fascinated with ratings ever since they canceled Space 1999, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm that old, uh, <laughs> that – uh, you know, I, I've always kind of kept a track on that and why, and, you know, I read sites, TV by the numbers and, and, um, um, showbiz, showbuzz daily and that sort of thing that have all of these numbers and, and I keep up with that. But, uh, beyond that, Deadline Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter, the, those sites, they cover it to some extent, but not a whole lot. They really don't go into this show is struggling. Um, and needs help or that sort of thing. They just report numbers. So, so John Jellix, are you basically the guy when it comes to canceled sci-fi, or is there any sort of community of people like you, or are you just kind of like the Obi-Wan Kenobi just like doing this all <laughs> by yourself? <laughs> uh, I guess I am. I don't know of anybody else who's tracking it to the level that I am. There are other sites that track ratings. TV by the numbers is the main one, but they track everything. Well, Actually, I say they track everything. They focus mostly on the broadcast networks and to some extent the cable. But um, I've been fascinated by canceled science fiction shows for the longest time. And so um, I, I've just always kind of paid attention to that. And 
started blogging years back, just writing on science fiction in general, and, and found that was the one niche that really nobody else had covered too much. And so that's where I've just uh, dedicated the majority of my time. Well, yeah, why don't you tell us about your books, too, while we've got you here? How did you come to write these canceled sci-fi books? Because I, I wanted to make money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, basically, I'd been doing the, the web website, the canceledsci-fi.com. I started off as a, as a post called Cancellation Watch and um, just decided to start putting together uh, the just – uh, the information in a couple of books. The first one, The Why Were We Canceled, was kind of my first stab at it. It's desperately in need of a second edition, which I'm hoping to have out this summer, but I've been saying that for about the past six years. So hmm. <laughs> that one kind of gives you a good overview of how the rating system works uh, and why shows get canceled. But it really, it's not up to date with all of the social media uh, and how that's impacting things and everything. So that one's a little bit behind the times. The other one is basically just a, a look back at uh, shows that have been canceled, starting from the very first science fiction series, um, uh, Captain Video, uh, going all the way up to 2015, and looking at reasons why these shows were canceled based on whatever I could find, reading articles on the internet, Wikipedia, books, anything like that that I could find on that, or just from uh, from my tracking of the uh, ratings. For I've been tracking the ratings closely and blogging about them for right at 10 years now. Um, so, And before that, I just, just tended to read them and pay attention to them and that sort of thing. wasn't writing as much about them. So those books were just kind of basically to take some of that knowledge and put it out there for people to read. Well, you know, I, I bought a copy of Why Were They Canceled? So there will be 99 cents winging your way. Minus Amazon <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 30% of that after Amazon takes Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, John, do you have any, anything else you wanted to mention? I, I mean, you know, we could we could sit here all day and talk about all these different shows that were on this list of things. Um, I mean, Briscoe County Jr. is another show that I... I uh, Thought was unfairly uh, given only one season, uh, but uh, most of the, I, I was actually surprised at some of this longer list of uh, shows people are meant that mentioned. Like I, I mean, I didn't, I never even heard of some of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's always sad when uh, when a show that you really like uh, gets canceled. And I mean, I and I, I found this whole discussion pretty fascinating because I I, I uh, while while I was always very sad whenever a show got canceled, I never like did any like research to find out like all this stuff that John Joex uh, tracks and everything. And uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think it would actually be interesting to, like you say, Dave, to keep tabs on what he's doing and, and maybe get a, a, you know, keep an eye on uh, whenever he sends out the, you know, sends out the alert that something's in danger and maybe we can help boost the signal or something. Uh, you know, even if it's a show that we're not uh, currently watching, it's just like, I mean, if our fans, uh, you know, our fans might like it. So it'll be like the bat signal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Joex signal. Well, so so <laughs> yeah, so 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 John Joex. So you mentioned Space nineteen ninety nine. Are there any other shows that were just the most heartbreaking for you out of all of them that were canceled? Uh, that was the first one. That was that was the series that made me realize shows got canceled and that there were ratings. I 
I was already a Star Trek fan, and I'm sure I read about the fact that it was canceled uh, and all of that, but I figured that, well, and you read this in the book, I figured that the networks had learned their lesson. And then I got mm-hmm. the issue of Starlog number six with the uh, word Space 1999 cancellation across the cover. And uh, how could you possibly cancel that? Um, so <laughs> that was what started my lifelong obsession with ratings. <laughs> um, after that one, um, I'm trying to think of what are some of the other big ones. Max Headroom. How could you have uh, canceled Max Headroom? That show was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> uh, John, you mentioned Briscoe County Jr. Love <laughs> that show. Groovy Bruce. Uh, that I mean that one. In that one, it was that was a case of it was an expensive show when the ratings had gone down and back to broadcast networks just didn't quite understand what they <laughs> had. Um, and then. More recently, Pushing Daisies, that was one of the ones that, and Pushing Daisies was a, a another example of a show that was in the wrong place. It actually started out on ABC with decent ratings. Um, they started going down. Then you had the writer's strike, and it was mm-hmm. off for mm-hmm. a long time. Came back to low ratings. If something like that had been on one of the cable networks these days, or Netflix or, or someone like that, uh, it would have almost certainly had a much better chance. It was just so weird of a series that <laughs> your mainstream audience just couldn't, uh, um, you know, they, they just couldn't quite grasp it. Another one, uh, I think one of y'all mentioned earlier, Alphas. Uh, that was a show that I think suffered. It was a, a first season of that show I thought was great, and it suffered as kind of a backlash because it was shortly after sci-fi had rebranded and it had gone to the sci-fi mm. light. And I think people thought, yeah, it's derivative, it's 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 heroes done over again, we're not going to watch it, we're not watching sci-fi. Whereas, to me, the first season of that show was heroes done right. <laughs> um, mm. and But its ratings were never great, and by the second season they had dropped further, and then it ended on a huge uh, cliffhanger. Uh, to this day, I'm still like, I, I want more of that show. So. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I kind of feel like uh, networks at least owe fans some kind of wrap up. Like yes. whether it's like even if it's not on like on the air, like if you if you like if you have a show and you produce it and and, and like you, you you get all these people on the hook for something, it's like you could, the least you could do is like do something to wrap it up in some way, like whether it's uh, just to, to pu- publish some scripts online or something, you know, so that way, you know, like you have to pay somebody to write the scripts, but then you don't have to actually have to spend the money to produce them. At least then, like maybe some, some diligent fans uh, will, will get some closure. Uh, whereas like, yeah, just like leaving you high and dry when you, when you get a you end of season on a cliffhanger, it's like, I mean, there's just uh uh, I mean, it's like the worst kind of feeling as a fan, but like you can kind of see some creators sort of trying to guard against that where like they kind of have a, a season, a, a second to last episode of the season that seems like it would have been the season finale, but they're like, well, just in case we get canceled, I don't want to end on that note. So yeah. let me like wrap things up a little bit more. Like normally that, that last episode would have actually been the season premiere of the next episode, but they're just like, they're not sure enough. They're not, they're, they're unsure enough that they're going to come back. So they was like, well, I don't want to screw the fans that hard. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's not leave it on the right, on that cliffhanger note. Yeah. Well, and, and especially when you get a show that's been on the air for several years 
and then they decide to cancel it, you think, can't you at least give it a final, you know, two-hour movie, something like that? And, uh, you know, Farscape got that, but uh, uh, plenty of other shows just left left the viewers hanging. Well, that's one thing that makes me a little nervous about The Expanse is because I know, like, they, um, Ty and Daniel, the authors originally of the books that the series is based on, originally sold it as a trilogy, and then they had kind of, like, set up an arc so that they could end it after the third book if they needed to, depending on whether they would get more books, right? And then they got more books, so then they didn't end it there. But I'm afraid the show might be going to end it there, right? If they're oh. like, oh, we can just stretch it out for one more season and then, and mm-hmm. you know, wrap the whole thing up. So that's why I want really everyone to watch the show and yeah. speak about it and stuff so that we, we do get more seasons. Because I think it would be tempting for them to stop it maybe after season three. Yeah, I mean, if um, if if the structure of the show continues, though, they might, in order to get through book three, they might actually need more than three seasons because uh, because the first the first book actually ends like at se- episode five of season two or something like that. So, uh, you know, so so given like I, I don't know where season two is going to end, obviously yet, but I mean, if they only get through part of book two, then they're going to need to cover part of book two in in season three, and then you know they won't actually get to finish season uh book three in season three so um but i mean obviously they could end it at any point without any warning so <laughs> who knows now, season two has 13 episodes whereas season t- uh, oh. one had 10 yeah i'd okay. forgotten about that i uh um it, but i just noticed that uh, like a week or so ago so it's got 13 episodes it, no, I don't know what season three is going to get because I, I had no. They said it's going to be thirteen, which is thirteen. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'll bet you they'll be close to wrapping up the the third book by the end of that yeah. season. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, so they definitely need to get the viewership uh, mm-hmm. up. So if we want more than just three seasons, because actually we haven't had a show on sci-fi now. Z Nation's the first show that's been gone beyond three seasons on sci-fi since Haven, which was canceled back. I think it was 2015 was its last year. Yeah, and actually 12 Monkeys just got renewed for a fourth season too, I believe. Did it really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That, and that's a very low rated show. That, that's See, that's an interesting one. And that is, that one is, uh, that, that's uh, good news to know. I, I, I guess that was, came with the Expanse's uh, uh, notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a very low-rated show, but it has had it has a lot of had a lot of really good buzz. Sort of like the Expanse, uh, it has a dedicated uh, fan base. So that does show that uh, sci-fi appears to be paying attention to if people are uh, really giving good feedback for the show and, and following it and that sort of thing. Then then they're sticking with it. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, John Jokes, you mentioned the Star, the Star Trek write-in campaign. And that mm-hmm. reminds me, you say in your book that people, like prominent people like the mayor of New York and yep. scientists and professors were all writing in to try to save Star Trek. And actually, yes. and, and succeeded, right, to get the third season. So I wonder if we need something like that for The Expanse. Can we get, does anyone know any, uh, does anyone know the mayor of New York or anyone like that who would, <laughs> could write a, uh, read, read some letters? Or I mean, just among scientists, like I feel like scientists should totally beginning behind this show yeah. was featured on the cover of physics today and maybe i don't know maybe just through your college or through your scientific network just encourage people to watch it and to spread the word about it you know who'd be a good person to to give it some uh promotion would be george rr R. martin and he <laughs> is good buddies with uh 
the author of the, the Expanse, I think it's James S.A. Corey's the name on the books, but it's two people, and I don't yeah, my memory. Yeah, Ty Frank uh, and Daniel Abraham. There you go. Um, and one of those two was George R. R. Martin's assistant. Yeah, Ty Frank uh, was, yeah. Yeah. So we should uh, we should push George Martin to tell people to watch The Expanse. I mean, I think he's been doing that. I mean, the most recent trailer for season two, they have a George R. R. Martin quote where he says, this oh, wow. is the show that fandom has been waiting for since Firefly. Huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he has been spreading the word on his live journal and stuff like that. I don't know maybe if there's anything else that he could do to help out. He could appear on Geek's Guide to the Galaxy to talk about there how much you love the show. <laughs> well, you know who needs to you know you know who needs to give it some love is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like speaking there of you like go. you were talking about scientists and and like you know being like basically the only hard SF show on television ever maybe. Uh, it's like come on Neil, like talk about how great it is. Well, yeah, I mean we've had a couple of science. We, we had Neil deGrasse Tyson on the show and Lawrence Krauss and Brian Green. Maybe we should. Try to ping them and see if they can <laughs> spread the word, help spread the word. Yeah, that'd be good. I still think the best thing to do is for sci-fi to buy some airtime on Geek's Guide <laughs> to the Galaxy in terms of sponsorships. So, it's you know, it's obviously that's the best thing for them to do. Because I'm pretty oh. sure each of our listeners have ten friends who would just love to watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool. So, John Jokes, how are you doing for time? I think... This is about the time we said that you said that you needed to go, right? Yeah, I've been getting close. Okay. Um, I don't know, John, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Yeah, I think we've pretty much uh, gone through my uh, outline here, which is not surprising since I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was really good. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll uh, – I don't know. How about final, final thoughts are always good. So, uh, John, John Joseph Adams, final thought. Uh, well, I mean, like we were saying all along, I mean, you just got to support all the shows that you like as much as you can. And, uh, as John Jokes was pointing out, like, you know, social media helps a lot. And, uh, um, you know, actually paying money for your episodes whenever you can always helps. Um, which also, this also applies to books, by the way. So if you, if you enjoy a book series, you should also support it in the same way. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I think we need to all rally behind the expanse because it's the type of uh, sophisticated science fiction that uh, that we really uh, have been craving. Um, and uh, I think it's a really important show. And, and especially since it's like it, it feels so politically relevant right now. So um, everyone should watch it. And like Dave said, uh, get 10 of your friends to watch it at least. So, <laughs> uh, And John Joex, final thought? Um, you know, I, I agree with that completely. And there's just, there's so much to watch on television. There's actually quite a lot of really good shows. There's, there's a fair number of mediocre ones, but a lot of really good ones. And, uh, in my opinion, the expanse is right up there as one of the absolute best, um, uh, not just now, but over, you know, over the long run. Um, and you know, keep watching that, let other people know organize on social media um, uh, websites that sort of thing and and uh, just get the word out there yeah and I'm gonna repeat myself just a little bit but I mean throughout my whole life I've always tried to pay for stuff for entertainment that I've consumed because you know whether it was computer games or TV shows or movies or whatever because you know these things aren't free to make you know and the more 
resources go toward them, the more there will be and the better quality there will be. And yes. I don't think, you know, for me, this is more than just entertainment. This is getting people to imagine the future and mm. think about the future and build, you know, think about how our society is going to be and technology is going to be in the future. And that's that's important stuff to me. And so I just really hope that people will support these things in any way that they can. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, and, and just the fact that this is a, like, like we were saying, the only hard science fiction show or the closest thing to a hard science fiction show on television, possibly ever that we can think of. I think there should be 10 hard science fiction shows on TV. <laughs> and if this one goes down, that's going to make that possibility a lot less likely. So, uh, just, a, just a note that quite a number of people consider 12 Monkeys hard science fiction. Eh, I'm kind of iffy on that. <laughs> time travel the time travel stuff drives me crazy the way they do it on television. But, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we could talk about what, what, what is and isn't hard science fiction, but just – this is a show about fairly realistic orbital trajectories and politics right. within the solar system. Right. And if this show goes down, you're not getting another one anytime soon. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. so please, for me, <laughs> remember the can. <laughs> uh, all right. So we've been speaking with John Joseph Adams and John J. Joex. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us on. Always good to be here. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to John Joseph Adams and John J. Joex for joining us on the show. Big thanks as well to Carrie Mercer, Ivaldis, and Barbara Eastman, who all just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue – please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And I want to give a special thank you to Jeff Butler, who just made a contribution to the show via check. Jeff writes, Dear David and John, My name is Jeff Butler, and I am a fan of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. This year's resolution for me is to write a letter of appreciation and support once a month. I can think of no better recipient for this month than the Geek's Guide to the Galaxy team. I first discovered your podcast through your interview with George R.R. R. Martin in episode 22 from his website. The first episode hooked me, and I've been a faithful listener ever since. After several years, this note and an accompanying modest contribution is long overdue. My wife and I are teachers of English as a second-slash-foreign language, and we spent six of the past eight years living overseas. I depended on podcasts such as yours to keep up with trends in sci-fi movies, books, and other related subjects. You accompanied me on hikes in the mountains of Korea, lesson planning in Japan, and on many a flight, drive, or train trip across countries and continents. This is to say nothing of the times that I listen to you while cleaning, cooking, shopping, or doing other chores. The quality of your work is what brings me back time and again. I've been struck by how you have grown into the role of an interviewer. You know when to ask a question, when to listen, and when to follow a thread of conversation over time. The time and energy that you put into researching every interview shows in the depth of your background knowledge of the subject and every time you reference a statement or a piece of writing. Thank you for all the work that you put in both on and off the microphone. I also really appreciated the way that you were my lifeline to geek-related books, movies, and concerns while I lived overseas. 
As you might imagine, living in a non-English media market kept me fairly well isolated from U.S. pop culture. You and John kept me apprised and led me to new authors such as Catherine Valenti, Paolo Bacigalupi, and Lev Grossman. One downside is that I know that my to-read or to-watch list will grow by at least one, if I'm lucky, by the end of each episode. Another aspect that I've appreciated is the variety of guests that you book. From the lively panel discussions to the latest published author, to scientists, to legends in the field, I know that each episode will not disappoint. A tip of the hat here is due to John and his extensive contacts in the field of publishing. One question I have, or perhaps I should say one request, is have you reached out to Gardner Dozois for an interview? I would be curious to hear his perspectives as a fan turned writer turned editor. But I digress. My point is, I appreciate the breadth of guests that allow me to learn about some corner of the geeky world. Thanks. I'd also say thank you for introducing me to two of my favorite other podcasts. Your two discussions with Corey Olson led me to the ever-growing Tolkien Professor Podcast Empire, and the interview with Cecil Baldwin introduced me to Welcome to Night Vale, so thanks again. I wish you all the best and look forward to many future Geek's Guide to the Galaxy episodes. Keep up the good work. Your fan in Greensboro by way of Japan and Korea, Jeff Butler. So big thanks again to Jeff for his support and for writing us that great letter. I also want to thank everyone who made regular contributions this month via Patreon and PayPal. We really appreciate it. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.